Welcome to Sunday Homilies with me, Father Mike Schmitz. I hope today's homily inspires and motivates you. And I also hope that it leaves you hungry for the one who gave everything to feed you. If you want to get this and other Sunday Mass resources sent straight to your inbox, sign up at ascensionpress.com slash Sunday or by texting Sunday to 33777. You can also follow or subscribe in your podcast app for weekly notifications. God bless. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, the Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus' homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. We should have a seat. So it is the 20th of August and also the 20th Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is great. I think that's fitting for some reason. But a couple weeks ago, we had the memorial of a saint named St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Uh, she was a Carmelite nun and um, a really amazing woman. She was born Edith Stein and she was raised Jewish in an observant Jewish family, but she became agnostic uh, when she lived through World War I, just seeing suffering and seeing the brokenness of the world, brokenness of humanity. Yeah, she came, became agnostic and just said, I don't know what to believe. Uh, she became a nurse later on and was caring for people. She actually went on to get her PhD in philosophy from the University of Freiburg, which is just amazing to think of this woman in the turn of the last century who was that driven to like just pursue the truth. At one point, she was staying after she had her PhD in philosophy, like just big brain kind of a person. She was staying at the house of a friend and this friend had this book on the life of St. Teresa of Avila this other Carmelite nun, and Edith Stein, she picked it up. It was just Teresa of Avila's like, story of her life. And she just started reading it. And she read it all through the night. And as the sun was coming up, she closed this book and she just uttered the words, this is the truth. And that set her on this, this journey. She became Catholic. She was baptized. In 1933, she became a Carmelite nun and just dedicated her whole life to Jesus. Well, in 1942, what happened is, as um, you know, Nazism is spreading all throughout Europe. She, as, long, as well as her, her blood sister, uh, Rosa, they were both taken into Auschwitz. And in August of 1942, Sister Teresa Benedict of the Cross and her sister Rosa were both killed in Auschwitz. And I was just looking at this woman's life, Edith Stein's life, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, the same person, and asked the question, like, what would mark her life? And of course, family was a really important part of her life and so was uh, war marked her life and she's lived through World War I, died in World War II, suffering marked her life. Uh, her intelligence, I mean this brilliant woman, her, her, her love of learning, her, her study, her knowledge, all those are good things. And I just kept thinking though, I wonder what is it though that, that is the thing that marked her life? And I was reading the first reading today, it's Isaiah chapter 56 and one of the first lines in Isaiah 56 is Isaiah says to the people, he says these two things, he says, observe what is right and do what is just. 
And the implication, of course, of Isaiah is he's talking to people who already know, right? Right? They already know what is right. They already know what is just. And so knowledge for those people that Isaiah was talking to, knowledge isn't the problem. Lack of knowledge isn't the problem. Yeah, I think that's for a lot of us too, like when it comes to living. Lack of knowledge of like what to do isn't the problem. Um, I think from big things like faith to also to really small things. I mean, even when it comes to diet, we can think, I mean, we know, everyone knows that McDonald's is not the best, it's not, it's not health food, right? We know that McDonald's is not health food. And we also probably know that if you've ever had McDonald's french fries, they taste really, really good. If you let them sit out for like an hour, they no longer taste any good. Why? Well, I, there's this doctor online, not, I'm not advocating online doctors, but this doctor who makes YouTube videos, Dr. Paul Saladino, and he actually went through this and he pointed out that McDonald's french fries have 19 ingredients in them. He says, he points out that they should have three. It should be potatoes, tallow, beef tallow that you can fry these in, and salt. That, those should be the three ingredients. There's 19 ingredients, and four of those ingredients are seed oils, which are not good for any human being to put inside their bodies. And, and yet, that's what they have. In fact, um, he points out that it says the natural beef flavor is part of the McDonald's ingredients, but that, again, doesn't come from tallow. What that comes from is wheat and milk in this strange combination that that's your beef flavor. In fact, the salt, even the salt that McDonald's uses in all of their products as three ingredients. One is salt, the other is sugar, and the third is silico aluminate, which is basically an aluminum-filled kind of salt that we just taste and think, this tastes good, and yes, and it's not good for us. One of the things he points out that is in McDonald's french fries that I thought, this is, um, this is strange, I don't know if I can enjoy this ever again, is he says McDonald's french fries, one of the 19 ingredients, is polydimethyl siloxane which is basically a form of silicone that they use in Silly Putty as an anti-foaming agent that they put in the McDonald's french fries so that when they, when they fry them, they don't <laughs> explode, essentially. And I think, like, okay, I know that, and I still want them. Like, I, 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 yeah, I've, I've told this to many people over the last four weeks, because that's when I first saw the little video. I'm like, did you know that there's 19 ingredients in McDonald's french fries? People are like, so? <laughs> because that's us, right? I mean, how many times, again, big things and small things, knowledge is not the problem, or lack of knowledge is not the problem. One of my favorite personalities online, favorite podcasts, favorite uh, YouTube channels is Dave Ramsey. I love Dave Ramsey, not only just for myself, but also for our students who are trying to get out of debt, or maybe they don't have much debt, but they're trying to like get themselves in a place where they're able to live like no one else, right? So they can give like no one else. They wanna do things with their money to help people. Dave Ramsey is such an incredible counselor. And he even says this, he regularly points out, regularly in his show, points out that what he's teaching is not complex. That I've heard him say so many times is, people, this is sixth grade math. When it comes to making a budget, this is sixth grade math. It's not lack of knowledge. That's the problem. He says he knows this. He knows that the real issue is not the knowing. He knows the real issue is the doing. Because it's sixth grade math. But it's like fully grown decision making. And I think this is the reason why St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross is so amazing. That she encountered Jesus, she read the book, she encountered the life of Christ, and she said these four words, this is the truth. And then she allowed that truth to completely redirect and redefine her life. And I see her, I see how she acted, and I look at myself and I wonder, do I need more knowledge or do I need more courage? Remember Isaiah, he said, observe what is right. Do what is just. And I have to wonder, like, I don't, know if, I don't know if my problem is a lack of knowledge. I wonder if my problem when it comes to following Jesus is, is a lack of courage. 
In the last couple of weeks, Interdiocese, we put on a camp for middle schoolers. It's run by high schoolers and adults, and it's great. Uh, this year, the theme was the virtues, in fact, the cardinal virtues. And so there are four cardinal virtues, just quick little <laughs> recap. Um, the first three cardinal virtues, justice, prudence, temperance. So justice is just giving someone what you owe them, like giving someone their due. That's justice. Prudence, it's like practical wisdom, right? You know the goal, you take the wise steps to reach the goals. That's what it is to be prudent, not prudish, but it's like, okay, I'm going to be if I know where I'm supposed to be, I'm going to take those wise steps to get there. And temperance is very simply, it's doing the right thing at the right time in the right way, or using the right thing at the right time in the right way. So coffee is a good thing. The right time to drink it is not midnight, right? So doing the right thing at the right time the right way, or using that right thing at the right time in the right way. Those are the first three cardinal virtues, justice, prudence, temperance. But the fourth cardinal virtue is I keep going back to our, our campers and to so many people. I think the fourth cardinal virtue of fortitude is possibly the most important of all the cardinal virtues. Why? Because fortitude is all of the other virtues when they're needed the most. I'll, I'll tell this to our campers and anyone who listens, <laughs> that the reason why fortitude is so necessary is because it's easy to be good when being good is easy. Right? It's easy to be just and have that virtue when being just is easy. It's easy to be honest when being honest is easy. I mean, to think about how often it's easy to tell the truth when I know that, no, there's no there are no bad consequences out of this. But to know that, oh, if I tell the truth in this situation, it's going to cost me something. That's when I need fortitude, right? If I don't have fortitude, I won't be just in it or won't be honest. And you have to ask, wait, am I, am I just in the first place? If I can't be honest, when being honest is hard, am I honest at all? Like if I can't be kind, when being kind is hard, how kind am I? If I can't be generous, when being generous is hard, how generous am I? Am I actually just? Am I actually honest? Am I actually kind? Or am I only, am I only kind when it suits me? Because that's not being virtuous. That just means I'm having a good day, right? That just might mean I, I slept well last night. And I realize this, for, this is for all of us. And I need to be able to act on what I know. I need to be able to do what I know is good. Or else I'm a slave. Things get hard enough. It, they're just, I'm just back to being me. I need to be able to act on what I know or I'm powerless. I'm just powerless. I think about that term powerless. If you've, seen, if you've seen anyone who's powerless, there's the woman in the gospel today. Matthew's gospel, this woman, the Canaanite woman, she's powerless. Why? Because she's not Jewish. She's coming upon Jesus and she has no, there's no status in her life. And not only that, but she is stuck. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. And I just think like there's, there's no way you could on your own deliver someone from possession from a demon. She is powerless. And all she knows is Jesus is here. That's all she knows. And she doesn't even know that much about him. I mean, if you follow the story in Matthew's gospel, Jesus, as he goes into this territory of the Canaanites, he hasn't done any miracles yet. He hasn't done any amazing signs or wonders. She calls him, she says, Lord, son of David. I'm guessing she doesn't even know what that really, really means. All she knows is that this is a holy man maybe even the anointed one of God, and that's it. She's powerless, and all she knows is that Jesus has some kind of power, and she acts on that. I think about this. I think what you and I know about Jesus would have dwarfed what she knows about Jesus, but the difference between her and us is that she acted on what she knew. Because we know this. We know that knowledge without action is useless. Knowledge without action is useless. In this moment, here's this woman who has fortitude. 
she knows a little, but she has so much fortitude. She has so much bravery. You know, fortitude has a couple different aspects to it. One is bravery, and bravery is nothing more, nothing less than doing the right thing in the midst of fear, like doing the good in the face of fear, like knowing what I need to do and then doing it regardless of my emotions, regardless of the danger that I'm facing. And that's what you and I are called to. If I know the next step I need to take, then how do I do it? That's the big question I ask myself. When I know that it's time to move forward, how do I do it? I sometimes stand still. I sometimes, I'm gonna wait for life to come to me. I'm gonna wait for this thing to come at me rather than running, running to the battle. Or even sometimes I'm tempted to sidestep the whole thing. When it's time to stand up, I'm tempted to sit down. And that's when I, I, just like probably all of us, need bravery. This fortitude that this woman has of like, here is Jesus, here is the chance, and I am going to call out after him. I'm going to act on what I know because knowledge without action is useless. And I'm reminded of one of my guys from the Old Testament. His name is David. Remember that one of the early stories of David, after he gets anointed by the prophet, his brothers go off. They're going to fight against the Philistines. And you probably know the story that Goliath comes out, the champion of the Philistines, and he, he challenges the armies of Israel to a battle. But basically he says, we're not going to have armies come together and fight. Then a lot of people will die. How about this? We'll make it simple. I will fight on behalf of the Philistines. You Israelites, find one person who will fight on your behalf, and then we'll face each other. That way only one person gets killed. And if I kill him, then we win. And if he kills me, unlikely, then you win. And so he does this for 40 days. No one takes him up on this. No one is brave. No one sees this challenge. No one sees the reality that someone needs to do this good thing. Someone needs to fight. And no one does until young David shows up. And as the story goes on, you know, David's just like, what's going on here? And he volunteers, basically. And King Saul questions about this. It's a whole, it's an incredible story. But the part I want to highlight today is as David goes into the battlefield, it says that he stops by this dried up, riverbed, a wadi, and he picks up five smooth stones and he puts them in his pouch and he has a sling. And this line here, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48 and 49. It says this, it says, the Philistine then moved to meet David at close quarters. And this is the line. While David ran quickly toward the battle line in the direction of the Philistine. And in that part of a sentence, and David moved quickly toward the battle line in the direction of the Philistine, that's bravery. Again, when you and I are faced with like, okay, I know I need to move. I'm just going to stand here and wait for the battle to come to me. Well, I know I need to move. I'm just going to sidestep. It's time to stand up. I'm going to sit down. I know enough. I know enough to move. But I need to be brave enough to move. In so many parts of our lives, this is us. We know enough to move. We need to be brave enough to move. And of course, we could say, yeah, but I've tried that. I tried and I failed. I've tried and I've fallen. That's why another aspect of fortitude is not just bravery, a willingness to do the good in the face of fear, but another aspect of fortitude is perseverance. You know, in the gospel, going back to the gospel with the woman, it's, the disciples say, send her away. She keeps on calling out after us. It wasn't like she was brave one time. She was brave again and again. She was rejected and brave again and again. She was dismissed and brave again and again. Here is this incredible woman who had not just bravery to do the good in the face of fear. She had perseverance. And what is perseverance? Basically, it's persisting in the good for a long time. And this is one of the things that's just so important for us. To have this virtue of fortitude means that we're going to persevere. Now, the temptation, of course, for a lot of us is, okay, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be stubborn. So St. Thomas Aquinas, when he talks about virtues, 
he says there's always extremes and the extremes we want to avoid we always virtualize in the middle so one extreme of perseverance is stubbornness or pertinacity is the fancy word that Thomas Aquinas uses so stubbornness and that's just thick-headedness that is I said I was going to do it I'm going to do it even if it's not the right thing to do anymore we need to realize sometimes that like okay I'm just doing this out of my own pride my own ego I'm doing this because people will think such and such of me as opposed to I'm doing this because it's the right thing remember perseverance is persisting in the good for a long time not just stubbornness the opposite extreme of perseverance is basically a fear of challenge I'm going to shrink back because I'm afraid of the challenge or I'm afraid of suffering or I'm afraid of failure that's why I look to this woman and think oh my goodness she's not afraid she has this knowledge that Jesus is her only hope and so she acts in bravery and then she persists and she needs to she needs she needs to persist in the good and that's the thing about saints like this is remarkable this is coming to the end here the thing about saints is that saints aren't saints because they had some kind of special willpower that you and I don't have that's not what makes a saint a saint because holiness is not about never falling or never failing holiness is about trusting in Jesus this woman she knew that here is a holy man that's it here's the anointed one that's it but she knew that she needed to trust in him she needed to call out to him and she needed to continue to call out to him and that's us too right now in this moment she persisted and she needed to I don't know I don't know the reason why Jesus has like these challenges like I didn't come here for the lost sheep I came here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel I didn't come for Gentiles and why he says you know the thing about the dogs and the scraps and all these kind of things I'm not sure other than I wonder if Jesus is doing something more in this situation he wasn't just healing her daughter he was doing something in her that he was allowing her to grow in trust that even being challenged he was allowing her to grow in hope that in not immediately responding to her he was helping her to become even more brave by helping her to be brave right so, so as the more she the more she had to be brave the more she became brave and I think that's you and that's where you and I are as well that here is God in this moment and I have to ask myself do I need more knowledge to do God's will to observe what is just and do what is right do I need more knowledge or do I simply need more courage that I know enough to do the next step to take the next step to run to the battle line I think too often I need to simply be brave enough to take the next step and to run toward the battle line it's not an act of willpower it is an act of trust saying I will continue to call out I will continue to move forward I will continue to fight because I'm not moving forward alone when I cry out I am heard and I'm not fighting alone and you are not fighting alone Jesus Christ is with you in the battle he hears you when you cry out and you know enough now it's time to be brave enough